it's positive spark plug time and i'm your host candace and i am so excited for today for i have annette pierre on and she just absolutely blows my mind with the information and knowledge she shares on today's podcast we talk about her journey into becoming a transformational coach how she works within her clients life on gaining all of their potential, truly allowing themselves to unlock it while releasing fears and diving in to really becoming their truest, authentic self. And how she does this is by allowing yourself to know who you are within yourself and the world. And how you do that is by knowing the power and the roles that your mom and dad play within your life growing up, what they say, how they speak, um, the energies that they bring, all sorts of stuff. And she tells us all about it in this episode and so, so much more. She brings us through a tool that allows us to get ourselves back into uh, primal safety and into our, our own awareness and body and just connecting with ourselves. It is a fantastic episode and I just cannot wait for you guys to listen. So let's get to it. Hello, Anat. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Thank you, Candice, for having me on here. I am so happy to have you on my podcast. I am excited for all of your teachings and learnings that you're going to bring to myself and to my listeners. Um, I've been loving following you ever since I heard of you and found out about you, and I just can't wait to... uh, dive deep into all of your uh, wonderful value. But my first question, just to start off with some fun is, what are your three favorite emojis or the three emojis that best describe (gasps) you and why? So would you say favorite, like the ones that I use the most? Yes. see, what do I use the most? Um, Well, I use the heart a lot. Um, I guess they all somehow have hearts in them. <laughs> I use the one like the kissing one, like where you kiss with and has the heart. And then like when someone thanks me or compliments me or something, then it's the one with like the three hearts around. So, and then I'd say it's like a fourth best would be like, you know, wishing someone like a prayer, a prayer symbol. So. <laughs> Because I'm pretty, pretty heart centered there. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. Um, so for today's episode, I would like to to talk about and to have a conversation about transformation and healing and stuff. That is your work. That is your main way of reaching and connecting with people. But can I ask you what brought you onto that journey? Was there a specific event in your own life that made you go, oh, I need, I need to make some changes and transform some stuff in my own life and do some healing? Was it a progress of things? What made you take that avenue? Hmm. 
Uh, I think on like a deep level, it was always like my inner calling. Uh, and even in like high school, um, I was the friend that all my girlfriends came to for advice. God knows what I said to them. Like <laughs> probably wouldn't say it today, <laughs> but whatever it was, it always created a sense of peace of mind for them. And so, you know, I was the oh wise one that all the girls came to for that. And um, so there was always an interest in psychology and coaching and all that, uh, although I didn't major in it, <clears throat> but it wasn't something that I was wanting to major in. I didn't want the eight years of schooling. Uh, so I went the route of business and finance instead. And funny enough, uh, inter- you know, divinely enough, it found me anyways. Um, I was led to my first like self-development workshop by an ex-boyfriend when I was in my mid twenties and like that began my journey, which is now going on 17 years. Um, It started out with, I'd say personally me. I mean, I don't have any, what I call big T traumas in this life, um, any major traumas, but we all as humans have what I call developmental trauma where, you know, mom and dad didn't model to us um, something that a behavior that would really support us in functioning well as adults, whether it's having healthy boundaries or having a voice expressing the needs. So, uh, you know, what led me to it was my own personal journey first. <clears throat> and then from there, it was, it was just a, a love of seeing people transform, seeing people um, wake up to like a, an expanded possibility because I think most of us um, we we strive for the best we want the best for ourselves and a lot of times what's in the way is just what we learned it's just whatever um, was modeled to us that we take on as truth and starts to limit our potential um, or something happens in your youth where you feel less than, and I'd say I have a lot of clients, a lot of male clients that in some way experienced that, like not enough feeling less than whether it was how, you know, hard their dad was on them or just, you know, yeah. if they were like an overweight fat kid and these are the guys that now are like super overachievers and, you know, the alpha males, performers, executives, CEOs, entrepreneurs. Um, and they're my favorite to work with <laughs> because they already have that drive in them. But what's been driving them is, is more like that belief of like, I'm not good enough, but I'll show you which is okay, very much okay. the ego and what is available with, um, with, with men or women that have that is moving them from operating from their desire to prove something to their ability to realize that they're a gift to others, that they have something to give. Yeah. So from you know from their like need to prove to just knowing and giving 
And what happens in that transition a lot of times is they leave their, they leave their careers. They, they leave their businesses. I've had many clients that own successful businesses and realized, oh my God, like the part of me that's wanted this business is, is my ego, is that little hurt boy. And here's the wild part. A lot of these clients from the outside looking in, like if you were to look at their life, you'd be like, sign me up. They have it going on. Ah. They're, mm-hmm. Cause they're achievers, right? So they have the, they have the success. They have the, um, you know, the, 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 the passion it's just misdirected. So outside looking in, you'd want it, but from the, from, from my, from their own perspective, a lot of times what they say is I'm slowly dying. Like, I feel like I'm slowly dying. Um, especially not especially I'd say the other thing that they say is they feel guilty about having these feelings. Like I had one client that was like, you know, very successful in real estate, um, uh, great relationship she was in and she'd come home every night and need to have like a glass of wine and she would have these conversations with herself like how dare you how dare you have a pity party for yourself like you should be grateful for everything that you have but she but again it wasn't it was like trying to fill a bottomless pit that like you just can't fill misdirected and so what happens is that when you deal with that little one's experience that boy or girl and, and whatever that experience, I don't want to call it trauma because people put trauma in this bucket of like this big event, but it could yeah. literally be, you know, the kids at school all laughed at you one day. And in that moment, you know, you felt like you don't belong, you're not enough. And you're like, and the survival kicks in of like, I'll show you. And what becomes available when you actually complete that experience, because to me, trauma is any, any experience your nervous system didn't have a capacity to be with, that you couldn't process fully. Once you process that fully, then you're not trying to live your life looking to complete that anymore from external yeah. things. You're not looking for those validations. Yeah. And then what becomes available is like, well, so now that I'm not playing that game anymore, what does my heart actually desire? Yes, yes. I, I, I want to, I want to dive in because you brought in um, developmental, like developmental, um, and I, I saw some of your posts and stuff, and and uh, heard on, heard you talking a little bit on other podcasts about the roles our parents play and how they really do kind of define us on how we start to show up in our lives from when we're younger all the way up. Like you said, we sometimes have to redirect our purpose and our passion and our fire because it's been showing this so much. Um, what, what do our parents resemble to us within our own beings and, and how we show up? Yeah, so what mom and dad model 
is it, it's interesting, right? Because mom and dad could behave the exact same way, but how it imprints you and what it models to you is different. And so mom models the self. Mom is an extension of self. And this is pretty universal. And I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of clients and seen the accuracy in this. Um, so again, imagine that day that you were born and mom holds you for the very first time and says, sweetheart, I'm your, I'm your mommy. You don't understand English yet. You don't understand what she's saying. And you, you look at her and, and you can't tell that that's your mom. But what does feel familiar to you is the energy. The energy that you're feeling in that moment feels familiar. It's the same energy you just spent nine months in. And in that moment, you see that as like, oh, this is home. Mom is home. Mom is me. Mom is safety. Mom is, mom is that womb space. And so mom is an extension of me, which you literally were, right? Connected by yeah. the umbilical cord. And so, <clears throat> you know, what, what starts to happen is, is there's a reliance from that moment on on mom for that same nurture, safety, womb space. And, and you can see it, but, you know, parents that are listening right now, or if you've been around kids and, and their parents, if a child, you know, gets upset or hurt, they run to mommy more than daddy. Right? <laughs> yeah. they're, they're looking yeah. for that, that safety, that nurture. So mom is the role model, becomes a role model for you for everything related to yourself. Mom is me, I am mom. So you look at mom for how to, how, how to treat yourself, how to talk to yourself, everything related to self. And so you either copy or you, sometimes you rebel. Sometimes you learned to be, to do just like what mom did, whether it's how mom, you learn by what you see, what you hear, what you felt energetically from her. So either how she made you feel or how she felt about herself, how she treated you or how, she, or how you watched her treat herself. So if, for example, if mom was always busy, busy, running around the house, cleaning, doing everything, running around, and you never really saw her sit down and chill or self-care, do something for herself, then what you might have learned watching that, having her model that to you is always keep busy and other things are more important than you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I invite those that are listening to really look at anything that you're challenged when it comes to yourself with yourself and ask yourself, what did I learn here? What, did, what was modeled to me here? And don't get me wrong, there is overlap at times. Sometimes it's like, no, 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 I think this is dad. But you know, when I work with my clients, I always find a way to um, uh, direct them back to mom. And there is some, there's always a layer there. And so um, that's mom in a nutshell. So for mom, I have a question. Now, yeah. for the moms that are like, they they sh I should say they show love and they're very content and they're very attentive to their child and they show all of that but they don't do that to themselves does that bring a conflict into someone seeing that because they're very good 
very good like how does that work when that when they see a division in what mom's showing and doing yeah yeah excellent question you know as as children we're so in tune to everything to the to the energy the emotions and what is so important is congruency and when we're not getting congruency it creates a connection it, it creates a um a dysfunctional behavior of confusion of not knowing to trust yourself okay wow. so imagine you know um you're you're crying you're a baby and mom is having a fight in the other room with dad uh, or she's really you know angry about something but she comes in the room and she's like, hi, sweetheart, or not. Let's say you weren't crying. Let's say you just woke up from a nap. And so she's like, okay, baby just woke up. And she's like, okay, I'm just going to bottle up this anger right now from this fight. And I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to say, hi, sweetheart. And then you wonder why your child starts crying. The child starts crying because it feels your emotions. It feels your anger, your fire, but yet you're coming in there with a smile on and it's confusing. And so the child doesn't feel safe because it's not getting that congruency. And so I teach my, my, my clients that are parents, I'm like, tend to yourself first. Because otherwise your kid is going to be a mirror for you. It's going to reflect to you what you're not giving yourself permission to feel because they're feeling it. They have no, you know, no borders there, no, no, um, no boundaries. They can feel yeah. all the energy. So that's part of it. And, and as far as the develop, the development, what happens um, when a mom is very attentive and maybe great to her, um, um, the kid, but she doesn't, she's not doing that for herself. What happens is, is that she's filling her joy up or she's filling herself up by tending to the child. She's merging in that way. And so it's teaching the child to, um, uh, it, 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 it teaches confusion. So it could be confusing for sure of yeah. like, when do I, tend to myself or when do I not? But um, let me try and think of some of my clients that might have this. Uh, um, what, it, what, what it creates is um, a lack of trust within yourself. Because uh, it, 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 and I'm, I'm imagining back to, to an experience like this, if it was me, um, it, mom is not actually giving. Mom is taken. Ah. Because you can't give from empty. You can't. And so if you're giving from that place, you are getting something from it. And sometimes it really is like, like that codependent enmeshing, merging, like the mom really needs to, you know, it, it's, it's like the, the women that, that want to have a kid so that they could like be happy and feel great about their life. Yeah. And so it, 
it's it, it's like a little girl with a doll you know and yeah. it's like it's all about you and your game so sometimes it could be that extreme and sometimes it could be just that like mom is busy and she's exhausted but she's still willing to sacrifice herself and do what she needs to do for her child and so again it just depends on what the what the other energies are that's there yeah and and it's and it's different for each person right it's not it's not linear but when I'm working with clients we can definitely unpack it and start to see what was learned based on how mom was was do you ever find do you have you ever worked with a client whether it's a child a young adult now you know doing self-healing or a mom herself that has it dealt with some sort of resentment due to that? Like I know moms, you know, we don't try to, but the go, go, go. And then, you know, child goes away, empty nesters. Now what does mom do? How does mom, is there resentment? Have you ever dealt with a sense of resentment? That the mother has resentment? Yeah, giving so much of themselves. And now, you know, children are gone, they're grown up. And mom's like, I don't know who I am. Have you dealt well, with there's that? Def- yeah, there's definitely the off. like, I don't know. Who- yeah, the, the, the crisis of like, I don't know who I am. And the mother not wanting, oh, this happens a lot. Um, not wanting to let go of the child. So still mothering the adult child that, you know, is living on, on their own, doing their own thing. And it's just like, mom. Like go, go, go discover you. But that's a, that's a crisis. That's an identity crisis for the mom that has basically given up, uh, that has basically taken on the identity of mom and that's her only identity. So now it's like, yeah, you're still a mom, but, but you don't need to nurture the child in the same way. Um, and so sometimes it could create, again, that enmeshment, that codependency and, depending on how charming your mother is, <laughs> she may, she, she may be able to keep you, keep that umbilical cord connected yep. in you. And so a lot of times I'm more working with the, you know, the, the adults, the child, as opposed to the mothers, although I have definitely worked with, you know, moms in their, in their fifties or forties or sixties. Um, but for the most part, it's more working with, um, like I actually have a, a male client that I, I was, that just yesterday said to me, he's like, I'm ready. He's like, I'm, I'm ready. And I, I'm ready to let go. I'm ready to like cut the cord and, and take care of myself. And it's so important. Um, so I think that's the other thing that happens if your mother was so attentive to you, but didn't model taking care of herself then you don't learn how to take care of yourself. And now you're an adult, 30 something year old male, like this guy that my, my client, and you don't know how to tend to yourself. You're still relying on mommy. Yeah. That's, that's the most common thing. It just, it just came to me as I thought of that client, that's something that happens. And so my work with them is helping them to learn how to mother themselves, how to really listen to that inner child, tend to that inner child, 
create that safety, like the same thing that you relied on mom from to learn how to give that to yourself and starting to uh, release the energy. I don't want to say cut the cord, but it could be for some people cut, pull, just like release that energy. Like what he's actually doing today, he, he, this weekend, he, he heard him, his inner child say, you know, kind of feel like renting a cabin in the woods. He lives in Tennessee, you know, and he's like, uh, he's leaving for that today for a couple of days for the first time, like away from, you know, from, from family, from friends and like giving himself that space to be with himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so important yeah now do you find when it comes to working with clients when it comes to developing themselves that and that space from mom um do you find that it speaks out really clearly to people what they need they just might be blinded to it and it's like it's right there everything you need is like it's in your way it's within you or do you find that it's like subtle little hints that someone's getting like you said your client he's just kind of recognizing now like whoa I'm 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 ready to cut how how generally is the process for someone to understand what they're really needing for themselves in the motherhood aspect Hmm. I would say it's, um, it's a journey, right? And it depends on how much they've embarked on this journey already. And it's what they're ready for when they're ready for it. So I brought this to his, so using him as an example, I brought this to his awareness probably about a month ago, maybe like five weeks there, they are, uh, nine weeks into the program. So it's, it's 13 weeks. So probably about, yeah, a month ago, I brought this to his awareness, this like, you haven't, you haven't cut the cord. You're still very much relying. So the seed was planted then. Okay. But you can't force someone and be like, you haven't cut the cord. You see it? Okay, let's go. Let's cut it now. He <laughs> no. wasn't ready. First stage was like, oh, awareness of that. And then starting to, you know, build the capacity, build the relationship to himself. Um, and now he's there. Now he's ready. So um, it just depends. Everyone is different. And my work is just to create, um, create a safe space for them to open up and you know give them tools and bring them to the awareness but they got to choose to to take the action to walk the path and uh you know people are ready when they're ready for whatever they're ready for I love that saying I love that that's I really enjoy that um let's get let's talk about dad and what he resembles to us and how we show up to the world and and you know show ourselves yeah yeah so let's go back to that that day you were born and dad comes in and holds you for the first time and here's the thing for men you know they're not the one pregnant so even though they may put their hand on the belly and feel the kicks or the heartbeat 
it doesn't become real for them until that moment. And, you know, where for mom, it's been like, are, are you a mother? Uh, no, but I have had a miscarriage and I got, I understand the feeling of first seeing it on that, that stick. Yeah. That, that immense. Yeah. Yeah. Love. And yeah. Loneliness. Exactly. And, and it, and it gets to grow over those nine months. Like you get to like the love, but the energy of love for mom is different than dad because it's, uh, it's it's it, it's building and growing over those nine months whereas for dad it's like boom here you go here's your son or here's your daughter <laughs> hold them and the and for men there's there's there is pride in that moment of like I created this oh my god like there's there is pride there there's joy there there's ecstasy there there's this like intense rush of love and that just comes to them in one like one shot and so that's the experience um and this is for majority right I'm not saying every single father has that experience the first time um but for the majority that's the experience the first second that they hold you and so that's the energy that you are feeling. Because again, you don't know that you're looking at dad. You don't know what he's saying to you. No. At that age, as a baby, we're just, we, we can feel energy. And love is a very high, delicious, yummy vibration. And so you're feeling that and you're like, whoa, wait, this, this isn't, this feels different. This is, this isn't me different, meaning it doesn't feel like familiar, like mom's energy. Yeah. And so, and mom's energy was just your energy. So that was self. And suddenly you're feeling this and like, whoa, this, this is, this is different. This isn't me. And so if it's not me, what is it? It's everything that's not you. And so in that moment, dad becomes your role model for everything that is not self for the world, for others, for what you can't see, smell, touch, you know, the, the ultimate father, right? God, he becomes the model for that. And for, for love, like that mom's the womb, dad's the heart. You're, you're, you're feeling for the first time, something outside of you, something that is not self loving you and oh you want that again and you yeah. want that again and you want that again so we are always looking to experience that same level of love that we did with our father the first time so whether you're male or female you put dad on a pedestal daddy is on a pedestal because he's love you want that love again um mom is like mom is me like she's always going to be there <laughs> right yeah there's a difference dad is like it, it, it's it's like it, it's not you and you don't know will it be here tomorrow kind of like will you the universe will god be here for me tomorrow um and so we put that up on a pedestal and either he lives up to it or he breaks your heart 
Yeah. It doesn't live up to that moment, but then we're always chasing to get back to that moment. Yeah. yeah. And so what dad models for us is love and relations with others, uh, vulnerability, purpose, um, and uh, relationship with the ultimate father, with God. And, you know, we also look at, well, okay, how does dad, how does, you know, love and the world interact with mom, aka self? So you learn about relating with others, relationships, by seeing how dad interacts with you. Mm-hmm. And it's possible. So again, I mean, Candace, take a look at your life. <laughs> and what do you... You know, what do you see you learned? What was modeled to you? And again, we learn by what we hear, what we see, and what we feel energetically. Um, whether, you know, dad made you feel that way or felt that way about himself. And for me, my dad worked running a hotel when I was young. And, and when we say young, talking the ages of development are from, you know, from when you're in the utero till, till, till age seven, because at seven is when um, the brain, the logic part of the brain starts to develop and you actually can decipher between, you know, right, wrong, choice, all that. Prior to that, you're, 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 you're in a state of of theta. The brain of the child is in, is in a state of hypnosis. That's why they're a sponge. That's why they can, we can learn to speak languages like that. We pick up everything like that because we're just a sponge for information. So my father in those years worked running a hotel. So he worked 16 hours a day. How much time did I really, you know, he'd leave 6 a.m., get back 10 p.m. And so very little time. I got with him and how that imprinted me if dad represents love and dad represents the world and others was um, you're invisible like I'm invisible like no no one else sees me but self right Um, uh, other you know the world others will always choose something else over you you don't matter like those were some of the um, beliefs that I was imprinted with from that experience or the lack of engagement and time with dad. And it carried into all my romantic relationships. Like this is what love looks like. Love is going to put something else first. Yep. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, as humans, we're programmed to create some way to survive our experiences and and get and get our needs met. So for me to get love meant um, whenever daddy was around, like doing whatever I can to be around him. Yeah. Yeah. And so even uh, in my um you know, when I was like age nine, 10, 11, and my dad um, started working from home part of the time, he was no longer in the hotel business, I would be like, okay, I'm going to go help dad. And 
you know, file papers and staple papers and this and that. And to me, I thought that was quality time. Yeah. Instead of like daddy daughter dates going out to get pizza and ice cream, you know? And so again, it, it affected me in my relationships with men of like going all the way back to my high school boyfriend who loved sitting and playing video games. And instead of going home, because I'm like, okay, he's not hanging out with me. He's hanging out with the, with the with the game here. I would clean his room or sit there and watch him. And to me, like, that was like, this is relationship. So again, we get imprinted with a script of what's possible in life. And sometimes it's not that it's detrimental, it's just limiting. You know, I was in relationships therefore with men that were emotionally unavailable and, um, you know, and, and operating in like codependent patterns with them. So that's my example of how it showed up. And now I'm happy to say that I am engaged to, to a wonderful man. We're getting married this June. And um, he is uh, all about real, real quality time together. It really took something, you know, in the past four and a half years of us being together for me to take in this new, uh, new normal, like, oh, this is what it is to be in a relationship and be vulnerable and yeah, and learn that because it wasn't modeled to me and it wasn't something that I experienced in past relationships. Yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's so exciting. Oh, thank you. I'm thank very you. happy for you. I wanna I wanna talk about you said like you said something that really caught my attention. Do you feel that that is our um the difference between dad and mom is our first sense of certainty and uncertainty as an energy, as a human. Hmm. Certainty and uncertainty. Because like you, you're mentioning, like we kind of have a, not, not, not all moms are always there. We do have dads that show up and moms that are not, but you were saying like, mom is always, mom's me, I'm mom, right? So that certainty is there. There's, there's an expectation. There's a innate dependence. Okay. Need. There's a literal need of mom being there and nurturing in that way. Um, that okay. when she's not can create um can create a trauma there's it, there's literally a, de- a, a dependence there of that so when you're dealing with couples that may be reversed like the mom goes to work and the dad stays at home and t- again i i i don't want to say i haven't you know I, I don't have enough cases to, to say how that really goes, but uh, he, like our, 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 our natural development and dependency is, is for mom to be that nurturer. And, you know, we could talk about when there's, when there's a gap, there's like, okay, well, I was adopted or, um, you know, or, well, I wasn't, but um, if someone's like, well, what if you're adopted or, um, 
Uh, I, my mom was a single mom. I never even met my dad. What happens in those cases? There's a gap in learning. There is. When mom tries to play the role of mom and dad and, and do both, can, you know, can the child develop the same way with that, with, um, uh, with, with mom modeling those things? No, mm -mm. there's, a, and, and so it's not that, oh, well, what did you learn from dad? Well, dad wasn't there, but there was a gap in learning. There's like a, I don't know how to be out in the world a lot of times, unless they had a new model for it, whether that was grandpa or their uncle or stepdad, sure, then, then there is um, some modeling of it, but there's usually still like a, um, a gap there. And again, it's, it's case dependent. Mm -hmm. Oh, see, I would have, I, I always wondered that, especially when it is like a single parent, because how you can, they can only do their best and they can, I, I myself am very outgoing. I am more around the boys than the girls. So like, to me, I'm like, I can do it. I can easily, <laughs> I can easily be around the boys or, you know, raise a son on my own if I ever needed to. But yeah, I never really thought in, in that, in a more of a deeper connection level of how that shows, you know, you mm -hmm. outside of a bigger bigger than yourself how that plays into into a yeah. role of that that dad. yeah into their into their development it just it's it's how and again if i could think of a of a, of a case study here I'd share it but it really impacts how um how they develop and what's available to them and there's definitely you know there there's exceptions to everything so um you know, you look at, for example, Oprah and the traumatic childhood that she had and where she is today, like that's, that's rare, but she, it, it all goes to like the, the work that you're willing to do and um, the conversations and, and what you're, you start to tell yourself. And so What's beautiful about that for all of us is to know that we all have the possibility to create the life that we desire, to step out of surviving what we inherited, out of the generational traumas that we inherited and the script that we inherited and the beliefs and to recognize that it's not who you are, it's just what you learned. And if you learned it, you can unlearn it. And it's your choice to, to unlearn it and to create the role models for yourself that you actually want to follow and, and emulate. And so there are a lot of opportunities, you know, especially today with how we're exposed through social media to movies. There's a lot of ways that kids get imprinted as well. It's oh, not yeah. just mom and dad, but mom and dad are the biggest ones that like you're, you're, your biggest role models, no matter what. Um, even if you think that you can reject that, there, there's there's the copying, and then there's the the uh, rebelling. And even in the rebelling of let's say of, of how mom was or how dad was, 
that's still not you. That's still survival. That's still, I'm going to do the opposite because I don't want to end up like mom or dad. And so, okay, you're not ending up like mom or dad, but you're still not you. Yeah. You're just going so the that's complete a, opposite. Yeah. So you're still in a survival pattern. And uh, yeah, the opportunity is to embrace what you, what was modeled to you and, uh, and, 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 and get that, like, you don't have to run away from it. Like, like, oh, dad was like, we, sometimes we look at their behavior and say, I don't want to behave like that, but you don't get what led them to behave that way. And so, um, uh, I have a client, past client, who uh, mom was amazing, wonderful, present, nurturing, loving. Dad was hardworking. Then dad had like struggles in his business and careers and lost jobs and, and turned to alcohol and became an alcoholic. And so this client is like, oh, no, no. Like I'm never, like I will not touch a drink because I, I, he thinks that, you know, the story of like, oh, like it's, it's genetic. It's not genetic. It's learned. And um, just because if, if he picked that up, doesn't mean that he'd have the same response to it. Yeah. It's more of the, um, the, the underlying, like what he was running away from. So you may not choose alcohol, but you may choose gambling and you think that's okay because it's not alcohol, but yeah. you're still not getting to the same root of maybe being unhappy in your ability to, to succeed in your career. And so dad turned to alcohol to just like, you know, numb out and you turn to gambling to find a way to at least feel like a winner. Yeah. Get it? Yes. Same root thing. And so that's what I see a lot of times in the world is that for those that are making sure and surviving how their parents were and rebelling from it, they're still not getting to the root of it. Like if you came from a broken home, from a divorced home, you say, oh, I'm never, uh, yeah, marriage isn't for me. <laughs> so let's avoid what mom and dad did or you had a challenging childhood and you're just like yeah a parent I don't want to be a parent I don't want to do to my kid what my parents did and this is what I mean by you know where we are all then stuck living in some form of survival and we're not really living we're slowly dying this yeah. goes back to what my clients that were saying that even had the quote-unquote picturesque life slowly dying yeah because all you're doing is living in survival you're not actually living in your heart's desire and 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 feeling like it's possible for you and so what i love doing is helping people build their resiliency their ability to be with anything that life hands them and take those bold steps 
take those leaps into the unknown, expand their edges, expand their comfort zone, expand what they know is possible for themselves. Yeah. And one of the ways you do that is through your training for the soul, uh, right? Training yeah, camp. Training yeah. Soul camp. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how that came about? Because it seems like it's a, it talks about mom, dad, it gets you all into that. And it really, it seems like a very powerful coaching program. Um, can you share about that and, and, you know, what it, what excites you about it and how it helps transform people's lives and brings healing to them? Um, yeah, absolutely. The training camp for the soul, you know, it, it, it started out as just uh, my little coaching program and now it keeps growing and growing and I have a team and a co-facilitator and uh, get to impact more and more people with it. But it's exactly what I've been talking now about the journey of uh, taking back your power. Um, and where we lost our power is in just you know, taking on what we learn from our role models as the only way that's possible to be. And so the journey of taking back your power is, okay, I'm going to own myself and my life now. I'm going to be responsible for my inner child, for my garden, so to speak. And it's learning how to give yourself what you didn't get from mom and dad or what you didn't want. Um, and, uh, parenting yourself and stepping into taking care of yourself. And when that is solid, when you know how to mother yourself, you can step in, out into the world. You can face the world. And you know that even if the world meets you with adversity um, or rejection, that you don't, that, that, that you have you, that you could run back to mommy, so to speak, that you could run back, that you can tend to yourself, yes. that you can nurture yourself. Um, you know, I'd say one of the biggest challenges that, that I see that people have is that we've we, we forgot how to nurture ourselves and we've learned to over to logic ourselves instead of nurture ourselves. And what happens if you try and logic with a three-year-old who's upset? It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. They just get more and more upset. What does that three-year-old actually need? Comfort, silence, attention, a listening ear, love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Compassion, exactly. So guess what we need to do if we want to learn to nurture ourselves? We need to learn to accept, listen, and love all those parts. The part that's anxious, the part that's sad, the part that's angry. We need to allow ourselves to feel those emotions, which emotions are just energy and emotion, which is what we are, right? You need to learn again about the energetic being that you are and how to be with your energy because to be with your energy you can move energy and that's the power and so 
that's the first big part and why we look at it from the context of mother and what we learn from mother so that we can we can clear out all that we learned and start to put in the learning of how we want to nurture ourselves. And when that's intact, you're ready to, to step into the world. Like in my program, we spend five weeks on mom. We don't even get into dad yet. Like you're not ready. You're not ready to go out and face the world if you can't nurture yourself um, and love yourself uh, because the world is going to meet you with adversity. It's going to meet you with challenges. It's going to meet you with edges. It's going to meet you with, 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 with no, with rejection. And uh, to be powerful out into the world, all it takes in knowing is building that resiliency. That ability to know that if adversity, if I met with adversity or met with rejection, then what's going to happen? Some emotion I'm going to experience you know, anger or sadness or resentment, whatever it is. Oh, that's all that's going to happen. So if I know how to be with that energy, that emotion, well then, okay, bring it. I'm prepared. Yes. And so what becomes available for my clients is that they're able to walk in the direction of what they want. They're able to take um the the leaps of you know uh i've had clients that it helped them to take the leap of making a commitment to their to their girlfriend and and proposing and getting married i've had clients that have left their marriages that have quit their jobs that have started businesses that have stepped down from their role as ceo these are all super courageous, courageous steps that they all took with like, um, uh, with courage and with unknown and also with excitement because that's what their heart desires. Yeah. So I don't want listeners to be like, oh no, divorce. Yeah, but that's what the person wanted. So it's a good thing that they're no longer enduring that relationship that wasn't serving them just because what mom and dad modeled was you know this is this is this is all that's possible in a relationship yeah relationships are like this and that's it you have to settle for this and now they're like oh i don't need to settle for that okay i'm gonna go for what i want and so you know the journey that i take people on is really gaining back your power and building that resiliency to know yourself as a creator as a powerful creator that gets to um, co-create with the universe. Because that's the other big thing that people get to really experience is how much the universe, God, divine, divinity, Christ, whatever, whatever is your God, whatever you want to call it, is there supporting you and wanting the best for you. So welcoming that divine energy along with the feminine energy that you've always wanted to give yourself that nurturing and that masculine, you know, like courage, action, energy, like for all of us, whether we're female or male to come into balance with like, with, with all three. Yeah. Do you, 
have a like a specific tool that you like to show your clients like you're like when someone comes to you with a certain situation you're like oh I'm excited to, I'm excited to bring awareness to this tool for them to use and if so what is that specific tool and how do you help you know show someone how to use it so that they can transform or release or heal what they're needing to do mm. yeah so um, with many tools, but I'd say a foundational one that's so important to start to move us from our, our, our minds, our logic, our need to fix it, figure it out, and come back into um, the brilliance of our body, which is where all the healing occurs. And again, this isn't to like disconnect from the mind either. It's just to reconnect. It's to have that body mind connection. And, you know, a lot of people come to me have done mindset work and there's a lot of language work and those are all super, super valuable. And I did that for eight years, but the somatic of the body, the, the, the brilliance of the sensations and the energy in the body to reconnect to that so that they could work together. Um, uh, what I find is with a lot of people, there's a, there's a unfamiliarity, there's a fear there of letting go of their logic of, and, and just being with what is there in, in the messages that are there in our bodies. And so the tool that I, I coined this term called priming safety. And when you think about if your wall is blue and you want to paint it yellow, you'd have to put primer on beforehand. And yeah. so to move from just being logic thinkers, fixers in our head to also trusting our body wisdom uh, we gotta we gotta prime the safety to reconnect that area that's been disconnected, and um, and create this body as a safe place to reside and to feel. And so, when you think of um, when a person doesn't feel safe, how do they sit? Closed off, tight. Yeah, like curled up. Yeah, exactly. So how does someone sit when they feel safe? They're open, you know, relaxed. Spine straight, like making sure that like your, your head, your chin is like above your, your waist, right? So like your spine is straight, your palms are up, like you're open to receiving a gift. Yeah. So that's the first part of priming safety is sitting i'm already releasing myself because i'm sitting in that way um is is sitting spine straight thumbs up and then how does someone breathe when they don't feel safe up in their chest very up in slow, their like chest very fast yeah shallow <laughs> exactly or they freeze so again to create that safe um, place in the body, we want to take those deep belly breaths. And I like to start with an exhale, pushing out all that 
shallow stagnant air that you've been holding or breathing, blowing it all out of your mouth, emptying everything out, everything out, everything out. So that your first breath can be super deep into your belly and out of your mouth, into your belly and out of your mouth. And so again, what are you signaling to the body and the brain? Ah, safe, right? And then the last part or the next part is occupying the monkey mind. So repeating to yourself, I'm safe. Because right, the mind is saying, oh no, this is scary. What are we going to do? I don't want to feel this way. How do I fix this? How do I make this go away? How do I make this stop? And instead repeating to yourself, I'm safe. I'm safe to be in my body. I'm safe to feel this. I'm safe to experience this. I'm safe. And then starting to scan your body for any sensation that you feel, whether it's an itch on your scalp or tingling in your, uh, in your foot or the warmth of, the, of your buttocks sitting on the chair and just noticing all the sensations that are there. And what you'll find, as I'm doing it right now, is the body starts to release energy. If there is energy, like I'm yawning right now. When I do this practice, I start tearing. My eyes start tearing. I start yawning a lot. And those are two very common ways that the body releases that the nervous system downregulates into a parasympathetic state, which is a state of rest, digest, repair, instead of the fight or flight that we're in. So um, yeah, so that's a, that's a practice of getting back into your body. And then from there, you know, depending on how advanced you are, you can, you can be a witness for, to whatever limiting belief or trigger that you are experiencing. You could hear your intuition, your inner child, you can start to have a dialogue, not just with your mind, but with your body's wisdom and what's there and um, let's say there is something that really triggered you. Um, you could ask yourself, where am I feeling this? Where in my body is this? And start to see, like you could even repeat the belief, like maybe it's like, I'm going to fail. Nobody wants to be, you know, to be on my podcast. Nobody wants to hang yeah. out with me, whatever it is. And seeing like, where is this energy being held? Um, it's just like, oh, I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my throat. And then describing it in as many sensations as possible. So um, does it have a size? Does it have a shape? Does it have a color? Yeah. A texture? Is it tight? Is it hollow is it heavy and just getting curious like there's nothing wrong there's actually nothing to 
fix or change. There's just to bring awareness to that part with love and compassion and curiosity. You know, going back, like, like, I want you to think of your emotions, your sensations, like these triggers as your child, as your inner child. And so a metaphor to help people here is anytime you're feeling something good or bad, quote, good or bad, right? Um, Imagine it's your younger self walking into your room. And and that's the one that's saying like, like right now, if you're feeling anxious, then imagine your child walking into a room and saying, mommy, I'm anxious. Are you going to lead from your mind and say, why do you feel that way? How can I fix this? How can I make this stop? No. What does the child need? It needs permission. It needs love. It needs nurture. Come here. Let me hold you. It's okay. It's okay that you're anxious. Tell me more. I'm here. I love you. You're safe. So same thing. We're feeling that sensation in our chest, let's say. There's nothing to fix or change. There's just to be with it, with curiosity, with love, with compassion. And what you'll find is that the body knows how to discharge it. It knows how to process it. Our bodies are brilliant. Like think about when you cut your finger, you burn your finger, right? On the stove or something. Yeah. Your, your mind says, go get ointment, go get a bandaid, go get ice. And you do those things, but it's not really those things that do the healing. No, nope. it's, it's your body. And I believe that the reason that there's such a strong sensation that we label as ouch pain when we cut or burn ourselves, the reason it's so strong is by design so that you can't ignore it, so that your focus is there, so that it signals to the body, the brain, this part needs healing. So now let's go back to an emotional trigger. that unfortunately isn't as ouch as strong like we can stuff it down numb it dissociate from it unfortunately what we're learning now is to feel safe to embrace it and be with it and name it and observe it in all of its different sensations again the body starts to know oh this part needs discharge or it needs integrate it needs to be integrated back into the whole it needs attention it needs healing and the ways that the body releases are like I said yawning is a form of release and I mean I have clients that they'll yawn consistently 30 40 times burping and I don't mean because you just had a coca-cola or pizza I mean, consistent burps. Imagine, imagine if you've been stuffing down an emotion and you finally take the lid off. Yeah, Yeah, burping is going to be a way that that energy moves. Crying, whether it's your eyes just leaking and tearing or literally that you have to have a a good cry. Like that's, it's healthy people. Stop putting it in the label of not. 
it's healthy. And I also want to say, there's people listening right now that are like, oh, I cry all the time, but it doesn't work. You're not crying, releasing. You are indulging. So here's an example. Your kid walks, in, your, your inner child walks into the room and says, I'm sad. Susie didn't want to play with me today in the playground. And your response to, to, to your little one is, that's because you're a loser. That's because uh, you're stupid. That's because you're ugly. Yeah. This is what we do to ourselves, right? Let's say something upsets us. We don't yeah. hear from a, from a guy that we went out on a date with. And then your mind goes to, well, it's probably because you were too talkative and, you know, you still like don't know how to be yourself, like all these judgments. And then how do you feel? Like crap, like you're not even enough. worse, even worse than the actual scenario. And so then you're crying. What are you really crying over? You are indulging in this, like, you get what I'm saying? Same thing with anger. Someone might have upset you, and then you're finding all the evidence why this is that. And now you're even more angry. So I, I, I do want to say about like crying or, be, or releasing anger that there's a difference between allowing it to discharge and release with uh, as opposed to indulging it and adding to it. So make sure you're not fueling the fire. <laughs> I was going to talk to you. I was going to ask you about that. So say when someone is kind of getting riled up, how do you get yourself, give yourself permission to feel energies or release energy? Like, for example, like I know like yelling into a pillow sometimes to get out energy is a good thing. How if in the moment you're kind of getting worked up, how do you say sometimes your body just needs to let out one of those like, ah, kind of moments? How do you do that where it's not? Appropriate? Like, yeah, appropriate. Yeah, well, you, you step away from whoever is in the room that might have triggered that for you and you go tend to it yourself. It's yours to tend to. It's your energy. You don't need to project it onto someone else, but you get to with that, but your experience is valid. So, you know, if it's your kid or your wife or whatever, yeah, you step outside, you go for that walk. And if you need to, you know, ha have a good growl or stomp, something or you know punch a pillow then you do you move that energy mm -hmm. okay and um and if again that that's if it's like really in the intense intensity of the moment and then i would say grab your journal grab a piece of paper and take it what i call a journal dump dump out everything that your mind right now is going a million miles an hour telling you because it is fueling it if you can't just if, and this is especially if if you find yourself getting stuck with like i'm still angry or i'm still sad uh, yeah because something's fueling it and you got to dump it out on paper as if that's like your therapist, right? That you're dumping it to. And then you be your own like best friend. You, you, you 
you read it back to yourself and you identify what you're actually feeling as opposed to all the stories that we tell ourselves there. He probably doesn't care. He this, he that, la la la. I feel sad. Okay, so I feel sad. And that's your inner child. That's the only thing you need to be with. So I think for people to learn to process out of their head and onto paper so that they could hear, because many different characters up there. There's your inner critic, there's your ego, there's your inner child. Like you want to be able to hear your inner child, hear what you're actually experiencing as opposed to the defensive ego and the offensive inner critic. Um, and so that's another, another tool, another practice, another way to process through something that we are spinning in our head about over and over and over again. So within our energies and, and learning ourselves and understanding, you know, what energies were brought into us and we're holding on to through mom and dad and stuff and unlearning certain, you know, behaviors and patterns and stuff. Is it a certain essence people start to feel when they start being in alignment of who they are and not what is an expected expectation of them? Like, have, has somebody expressed a certain feeling? Like, is it a, a, a sense of bliss, happiness, fulfillment? What is like, what's, mm. uh, what's one of like your favorite moments where you've seen somebody or a client kind of come into something where it's like, ah, that I see you, yeah. you're showing really yeah. you're showing me. Yeah. You. They're, they're, they're lit up. They're lit up. Um, so you just see this glow and uh, so there's a few words that people say a lot. Like they just, they feel free. Freedom is a big one. And I think it's something that we all seek. And a lot of times people are seeking that freedom externally. And the gift of this is you recognize like, wow, I'm free. I'm free from my limitations. I'm free to be in my power and have a say, like I'm free to express myself and free to own my life. So they feel free. They feel powerful. Um, and yeah, of course, like excited, happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's that freedom and the power to know that, like, I know how to work with this thing now. I don't know. I know how to work with my, like, it's, it, it's not freedom from ever experiencing any quote unquote, like triggers or negative emotions, like no, you're human. That's part of the human experience. But now you actually know how to work with it. It's, um, you know, another metaphor I always like to use is a garden, is imagine yourself as a garden. And um, you, you come into your garden and you realize, oh my God, it's full of weeds. And your vision, your desire is a beautiful, lush garden full of, you know, maybe fruits, vegetables, flowers. Yeah. Every, everyone has dreams. Everyone has desires to have a great life. Some of them have 
stopped allowing themselves and are stuck in like really stuck in like oh well for me it's never going to be possible for me so but you come out of that and you step into training camp for the soul and it's like we start to give you the tools and my experience when I met my mentor eight years ago and discovered my body <laughs> somatics and not just mind because I'd been doing mindset work at that point for eight years and you know mindset like I said is 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 a part of it is something is a tool you want yeah and it brings you to a lot of awareness but my experience was being in the garden with that tool was me trimming weeds and it was exhausting it was like managing myself constantly having to manage myself and not seeing long-term change meaning if you're trimming weeds there's no room for those new seeds there's just relief for a few days and then the weeds come back yeah. And so then to be given tools that actually get to the root of it, where you're clearing out the old and there's room for the new beliefs. And you know when there's room. My clients can feel when they've cleared something energetically and there's spacious there, spaciousness there. They feel it. There's there's a lightness, there's excitement it starts flooding in the possibilities. They can see it. They can smell it. They can hear it. They can allow themselves to desire it again. That's freedom. Then, you know, wow. Okay. I got the freedom. I got the tools. Let me, here's what I want to plant in my garden this year. I just want flowers. Yeah. And you know, you have the freedom to create, meaning, you know, you might be at a stage of life where, all you want is to, you know, become successful in your career, right? That's like, and, and that's like, all I want is a rose garden. That's all I want. Okay. But five years from now, you may be married with two kids. And, and now like what, what's important to you, what you want to create, what you want to give energy to has shifted. And to know that, well, you're not limited by what you inherited and learned anymore. Yeah. That now, okay, you know what? Mm, this season, uh, I'll leave a little bit of the rose garden, but I want to plant some vegetables. And to know yourself as a creator, you have the power to at any point in time, create and co-create and reinvent yourself and your identity that's freedom. That's power. And that's what I want people to have access to, you know, especially those that are high achievers and go-getters um, or big dreamers, because you're a gift to the world. And when you step into like your highest divine self and you're giving that gift, it causes a ripple effect in the world. Like I think of myself, you know, I'm 42 years old and 10 years ago, I was still, um, I was $40,000 in debt, lost in hopping around different startups and careers, 
I had no self-love. I just left a five-year codependent relationship. I didn't yet believe that I could really do what I want to do. And here I am today, and I've impacted directly, you know, a few thousand lives, and then indirectly, probably tens of thousands. And that's because I chose at, you know, 30, like I chose to keep digging to, to, to keep working on finding whoever, like finding those right tools, which I did at the age of like 33, meeting my mentor. And I was willing to do the, the, the work that scares me. You know, a lot of my clients, they'll say, like my client that I was talking to yesterday, he was like, you know, I knew about training camp for soul for a while. He's like, I got to admit, I was scared of it. Yeah. When you're ready, what you're scared of is, is your identity is actually scared of being annihilated and your highest self though is dying to like come online. Um, but my, to know that my choice in facing my dark night of the soul of you know slaying my dragons um has now created this ripple effect like i'm not special i you know i'm i'm just i just chose to love myself in that way and yeah. i just want that to be possible and available for everyone that knows like can just check in right now with yourself and listeners check in right now with yourself if you know like deep inside there's this part that's saying, you're here for more. You're a gift to others. You are destined for more. But yet you can't access it fully. You don't feel the, the power or the freedom to go for it. Then I want to work with you. <laughs> I, wanna, I want to help you get past that point and fully own your gifts your power and be free to share it. Oh, oh, gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I want to talk about, oh, about mentorships and, and, and finding coaches because this work is something that we really have to do ourselves. That's the biggest thing. Somebody can be right there and we can be crying and we can hug them and show love and, you know, give them and hold space and create space for them. But if they're not willing to do the work, it's not going to be fully effective. But how does someone find a mentor for themselves or a coach in order for them to really align with what they're looking for? How does someone find someone or does it kind of just fall on their lap? Did your mentor come into your life and then you start working or was uh, someone you started mm. to seek out for? Mm. Ah, um, I find that it's for the most part, well, for my, my personal experience was, it was all divine. It was all, you know, I've gotten to see that my guides, my angels, the universe has been conspiring for me along the whole way. And my journey was exactly the way that it was so, supposed to be for me. And so the invitation um, for people that feel that is just, just claim it. Just start saying like, okay, I'm ready. 
own that part. Like I'm ready because your guys, your angels, they're, they're, they're just waiting. They're waiting for permission. They're like, okay, <gasps> she said she's ready. All right, let's go. And it's sometimes the most synchronistic, magical ways. Like my one client that I was speaking about, speaking to yesterday, you know, he, he knew about me from the Enlifted program. Mark England, who's a, who's a graduate client of mine, and a lot of people that have done um, the program and lifted, uh, 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 there's a good amount of them that are also graduates of training camp for the soul. So he knew about it for a long time, um, but he was too scared. Well, this summer I was at Mark England's lake house filming a documentary and um, Mark had a bunch of his lifted graduates there and this client was one of them. So he and I got to meet, we got to hang out, we got to sit down and have like two hour deep conversation. And then he was like, I'm ready. And I'm like, and I was like, that's divine. Like the universe conspired to make sure that like you were there to meet me. So I know that um, it, it definitely also can happen in ways of someone being ready and then and then doing the research for it, but that's still divine. That out of the thousands that are out there, that you you find the one for you. And I'm not the guru. I'm not the end all be all for everyone. I'm just the one that if it, if I resonate with you and you're called to training camp for the soul, well then there's something for you here. And maybe it's the end all be all of everything, or it's just your next step in your journey. And after that, you're going to find your next mentor. I've had many mentors over the years. And, you know, my favorite day is the day they hire me and the day they fire me, because I'm not here to be your, your everything. I'm just here to serve you for as long as it serves you. Um, but for those that are seeking um, and wondering, well, like, what's the next step? Well, if, it, if it's something specific that, you know, and, and you don't resonate with me or it's not what Training Camp for the Soul has to offer, maybe it's a business mentorship that you're looking for, or maybe it's more in the area of like sex and intimacy, then I'd say first, notice if you're coming from a place of, lack or force or like a need like if you're so attached and I have to get this now oh my god otherwise and release all that energy that's there and just start by speaking it like okay all right universe god this is what I'm ready for I'm really looking for that right business mentor and because it's a big you know especially with with social media these days it's it's a big pond (laughs) yes it is and it could be overwhelming if you're like okay I'm looking for that and and then you start searching for it in that way that um you may you're you're putting the pressure and all the work on yourself as opposed to letting the universe work for you, work with you here, send you messages, send you the right people. I can't tell you how many, you know, how many people were guided to me by me just knowing like internally I'm ready. And, you know, they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears. 
So um, invite that possibility in as well. But if you, you know, whether it's, you know, you're, you're on Instagram the next day and, you know, someone tags this person and you're just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh my God. Wait, this is what I've been looking for. And it can happen that fast and like that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Before I ask you my final question, I want to ask you for any of the students that are ready and are wanting uh, some coaching, where can my where can my listeners find you? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so um, uh, I'm on Instagram. I don't do a lot of posting or stories myself, but I'm in the DMs. So if you want to connect with me, I message every new follower because uh, I want to know why the heck you're following me, who you are, and how I can support you. So you can definitely chat with me on Instagram. And if you're curious about um, the programs that we offer at Training Camp for the Soul, you can go to trainingcampforthesoul.com. Amazing. Uh before I ask my final question, I just want to say thank you so much for your time, your energy, and all of the incredible value and learnings that you brought to this episode. Uh, I'm definitely going to take some time to reflect on my own self and, you know, my mom and my dad and, you know, how they're, how they allowed me to show up and and where I can you know reparent myself and love myself a little bit more so thank you so much for all of your information and and your time I really appreciate it you're welcome it's been a pleasure my final question for you is what is your perspective on positivity hmm. um positivity to me is not something to attach to, like it has to be, I have to be positive. It's something to come back to um, as an experience. So uh, I have something, I have one more, one more tool I'll give. I call it gratitude popcorn. Um, and, you know, just like when we make popcorn, what happens? It starts out very slow. Yeah. Pop, pop. And then it becomes like pop, 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 pop. And so, you know, having a gratitude practice or a gratitude tool, I know a lot of people go to their journal and they write down what they're grateful for. And that's fine. But I feel it's still very... Um, uh, very cognitive in that way. We're not so much necessarily feeling it. So this is a, um, a tool that came to me from my own experience of driving in the car one day and being all frustrated. This was years ago at this guy that was, you know, annoying me, not, not dating me the way that I wanted him to. And then I heard my voice say, yeah, but he introduced you to Christine. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, I'm so grateful for that. Thank you. And then it started this whole thing of like, wow, well, what else has led me to being here where I am today? 
And I thought about my friend, Tanya, who's the one person that I knew here in San Diego years ago. And so I said, thank you. And then I thought about something else and I said, thank you. And so the practice, the gratitude popcorn is really, um, you know, sitting with yourself. If you're not driving, then you can close your eyes and allowing something to come up to your awareness that you're grateful for. And it could be everything from like delicious dinner that you had last night to, you know, your, your wonderful, amazing fiance or partner to, you know, your mother giving birth to you, to your career, to like everything from like the beginning of time to like 10 seconds ago and whatever pops up as it pops up, repeating out loud, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And what you'll find is it's, uh, you know, there's there's such a powerful vibration in saying thank you. Um, And that the more, you know, like repeating it over and over again, you get get high off your own supply, so to speak. Um, I had a, I had a client that had a major breakdown in her, in, in her business, um, like an equipment, a piece of equipment that broke down. And I remember saying to her, I'm like, well, sounds like a good time to do some popcorn, to make some popcorn, right? Some gratitude popcorn. So it's something that I feel could help shift us out of, um, uh, a negative mindset, so to speak. Um, into positive uh, by, by, by being grateful. Oh, that is awesome. I love that. That is so good. Cause yes, I, I, you know, you always hear about the journal and stuff, but I like how, you know, you come off of what you're feeling, the sensations that you're feeling and the, the memories that you might have or the, the, yeah, feel yeah. Of, you just say thank you. Energy just kind of coming into you like, Oh my God, but I her you yeah. felt your friend's energy right yeah you know being upset about your ex or your fiance and how they weren't showing up your friend's energies came through and you're like oh I'm grateful for that I like how you yeah thank you yep and then as you're repeating imagine two three minutes of saying thank you thank you thank you thank you you realize how much you are supported and how much gifts do come your way and by saying thank you you're also inviting the opportunity for more of that to come in so um, it's a practice that like I give to my clients to do, not just as a way to state change, not to go from negative to positive. Because um, actually when you're feeling quote unquote negative emotions, the best thing you could do is hold that little child and let her feel it, right? But it's more of a way to cultivate more positivity and attract more goodness in your life by creating intentionally those those states of um of gratitude thank you (laughs) thank you uh so very much i really appreciate you and your time and i cannot wait to see all the other stuff that you continuously do to make the world a better place so thank you very much awesome thank you listeners for tuning in Okay, tell me that wasn't amazing. Like, that whole episode, I was just pulling information. Like, my mind was just 
in happiness mode the entire time. I absolutely love learning new things. I love learning and taking away things that I can implement into my own life. And I hope that you guys do too. And I hope you guys took away something. I hope you guys use something from this podcast in your own lives and make yourselves the best that you can be by living the best that you can. If you like this episode, please let us know by sharing it on the socials. On Instagram, it's at Annette.Pierre and at SparkPlugWellness. And share it with a friend. Let us know what you think. Also, rate and review the podcast for it truly does help get the value of my guests out to more listeners and it lets me know that I am on the right track. It is now time to go out and do something positive and be positive.